0: Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shelton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from hand-picked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Live Boldly podcast. I hope that you are staying safe and healthy during this time. As you know, I returned home from the Grand Canyon just a few weeks ago, and it was so wonderful just to be out in nature. I challenge each and every one of you to get outside for at least five, 10, 15 minutes a day, just breathe, Watch the sky, just watch the clouds, take a look at what's happening around you, and just lie on the grass. It really will shift everything that happens within your day. I'm really excited to share with you that I am starting a monthly membership starting in December of 2020. So exciting. It's called The Trail, A Community for Truth, Inspiration, Hope, and Healing, So much more will be coming out about this monthly membership where we will be talking about everything from relationships to divorce to trauma, trauma brain, what it is to feel inspired in your everyday life, how to overcome, shift your life, what's your purpose. I will be bringing in professionals every month. You will get content tools to use in your everyday life as well. I am so excited about this because it's exactly what i have been wanting to put together for so long and now that my book is going to be published on november 10th it's a perfect opportunity to bring it all to you so to learn more and to stay updated please um, go in and subscribe to my newsletter at sarahshiltoncrans.com you will get everything that you need on updates for book um, for a monthly membership retreats that are going to be coming up and I'm just really excited um, for all that's to come. We are running two Grand Canyon retreats coming up. Uh, One is over Christmas of this year, three nights at the bottom. It's going to be so much fun and then another in January, again three nights at the bottom. So if this is something to be interested in, please uh, message me and let's get you on a call and see if it's the right fit for all of you. So today I have on Janine Urbaniak-Reed. She was born in Chicago and grew up in California. She graduated from the University of California at San Diego. She was vice president of a San Francisco public relations firm before she began raising a family and then writing full time. She has been published in the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, San Francisco Chronicle, and widely syndicated. Hoping to bring humanity into the healthcare discussion by sharing her experience as a mother of son with a brain tumor, she penned a piece for the Post which went viral. She has been interviewed on national news networks and continues her work as a spokeswoman for healthcare justice. Janine writes about her imperfect life, which connects what connects us and which does connect us and addresses the question of what it means to love fiercely in a sometimes dangerous and always uncertain world. I love this woman. We had such a great conversation. She does now live in Northern California with her family and a motley assortment of pets. She and I have a lot in common in that area as well. Please go grab your journal, your pen, your favorite drink, as I always say. Listen to this powerful conversation that she and I had together. Take notes, feel inspired, and I am telling you, whatever is going on in your life right now, there are others who are also going through something very similar. Our paths are um, not alone. We, we have people walking in front, behind, to the left, and to the right of us. Sometimes we just don't even know it. I love this woman. I thank her so much for being on, and I am thrilled for all of you to now hear her words. Welcome Janine Urbanic Reed, to this podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, I just told, let you know that I was on a run before this and I was listening to some podcasts that you've been on and it I kept having to stop because I was <laughs> taking notes. I was like she she you even used the word walk through this in one of your episodes. And I was just like, Okay, she's my she's she's we're talking the same language. So I would like you to introduce yourself. You have a book that is out right now, it literally just released. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just talking about how you were on Facebook Live with Anne Lamont. You were doing, you know, 46,000 views, I think you said, about this this um, release. I don't know. That's like a party. That's like an online party. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and about your book, and we're just going to ju- just dive right in. Great.
1: Great. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, I am I'm a writer. I'm a mom. Um, I've been working on this book for about eight years. I... My story is, you know, I come from a very lovely family. My parents were really young, and coincidentally, alcohol- my dad's an alcoholic, so I grew up in alcoholism. Uh, we, we tried to outrun the alcoholism, moving to, from Chicago to Los Angeles when I was a child. And, you know, the, I tell this part of the story because it really shaped who I am, right? And I had this idea that if we could just get the outsides right, if we could just get circumstances to you know fall into place then i'd be okay this is what i you know basically what i grew up with and then my i was raised in a religious home and the belief was if i'm just good enough then god will make that happen so i tried to be a really really good girl that's part of my story until i just couldn't anymore and as a teenager sort of blew it out like a lot of us do um eventually my dad ended up got, getting sober And um, the whole family started recovering from this, what turns out to be family disease of alcoholism. I got sober when I was 24, uh, which I thought more of a gift than anything else, because um, here it was, I thought this was the tragedy in my life. You know, everybody has something hard they deal with. I thought I knew what mine was. And I felt almost... I kind of felt like I'd worked so hard. I dug so deep. I'd done so much work on myself. By the time I came to be a mother, I kind of felt like I checked those boxes and that maybe I could use what I learned to protect my kids. Lo and behold, um, you know, I I married a, you know, a nice stable person. (laughs) We had three kids. We um, We live in Northern California. You know, we have an idyllic little life we built. Um, and then one day my middle son's hand began to shake Mm -hmm. and, um, that brought us into this, um, you know, doctor after doctor trying to figure out what is the problem. Eventually he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and that's where the book starts a little bit before that. Um, so what happened is I really had to question all of the platitudes, a lot of the beliefs that I built my life on into, because All of a sudden, as a mom whose strategy was control everything and protect your kids from absolutely everything, what happens when that mom's confronted with real, genuine powerlessness and how do you hold that?
0: Yeah. It's one of the things that you said in one of your podcasts was you were either um, stricken with really bad luck or living with a superhuman spiritual skill.
1: (laughs) or a little bit of both maybe or a little bit of both <laughs> <laughs> and
0: it's yeah. um it's and i and i related that was my very first note that i put in my phone as i was listening to this podcast because and i put it in bold because um i feel you it was like when when i heard you say that it was like a little gasp of air just went oh my gosh because um i same thing right i mean i come from a family of alcoholism you and i i have three kids you know, what, what is the, the greatest gift for me was being a mom and, and protecting my kids, mother bear. You would mention yourself as a tiger. I think of myself as the bear and like mama bear just doesn't, nobody gets close to my children, um, and hurts them. And so then when you're having, when you have something like that happen, it, for me too, it was like, is this just like bad luck? Or am I, do I have the superhuman spiritual skill of just making everything turn out okay? right? Like, how do you, what is this? So tell me a little bit about that for you.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that was the struggle in my mind. You know, I I say that I'd rather be anything than powerless. Right. right? I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather, you know, when when Mason was diagnosed, a lot of, you know, I did the deep dive into Google as we do (laughs) these days, right? And, um, and I just started questioning everything about my, you know, about how, how, it, what, what could I have done wrong? What could, if I can, and, and can I do anything to fix this? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's this thing for moms because we do have some power, right? We can feed our kids healthy diets. We can make sure they're in, you know, there's a lot we can do with structure and love and all of those things. And then there's, the world, and there's some. I don't know if it's destiny, I don't know why. I like to say I put why up on the shelf because why makes me crazy, right? So, I you know, part of me is like, I you know, I do believe, I don't know if we go way out there, I do believe that you know, I if I were to, you know. If, going into this life with this little being that was Mason, who was going to eventually be my son, I would have said, yes, I will do this with you. Yes, I will be there with you on this path. In practicality, as this human mother in this human body who wants to just, who is just torn up by seeing him in pain and seeing, not knowing where his life is going to go, I would do anything to fix it. And then again, that's that tiger, You know, that's that I see myself as like a a caged tiger with my tiger baby right outside. It's like just pacing that cage. What can I do? What can I do? So that's where this, you know, in writing the book, because I am a writer, it's how I process things. So I think that there was a whole other layer of healing that happened. And, and also this, you know, I had faith as an idea in my life. And even as a sober woman, there was a lot of practicality to that, to learning to be really discomfort, uncomfortable, sit in discomfort without reaching for a substance, which is basically what it's like to get sober. Um, You're reaching for something healthy instead. Yet, um, boy, when, when my child was, um, there's no, there's no pain like when your child is hurting there's just no pain like it when your child's at risk. So it, it brought it to a whole new level about what do I believe in and who do I believe? Yeah.
0: I talk about, you know, when you mentioned about putting the why on the shelf and it's, what do you take off the shelf and, but trust Mm. you have you, right. Put the why on on the shelf and take, take, take trust and just that, that inner believing that you know, surrendering to, but yet having to control a certain amount of the situation. Like mm-hmm. you have to know what's going on. You have to make the take the steps forward and use your power and find that inner self to keep moving through this. As you said, walk through this. You had to walk mm-hmm. through all of this. And at the same time, there's this level of trust that you have to have in yourself and in other people and in your son, right? Let's just put it there. Like you have to trust that your son also Truly wants to come out of this, and he and he has twenty five now. You said
1: he right? is. Um, he just turned twenty three yesterday. 23. Yeah, he's twenty three. Yeah, okay. so he. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. I love that image of putting the why on the shelf and taking down the trust. I had a, um, one of my closest friends during this period. Uh, used to say, you know, when I question the presence of God in my life, the presence of a higher power, of some force of good. And um, in our situation, she'd ask me, how have you been cared for? Mm. And then, oh, well yeah. well, yeah, well, yeah, I've been cared for, but where's God? You know, it's like that story of the, you know, the man in the flood and, the, and, and God sends like a, somebody in a rowboat and, and the man on the roof says, no, no, I'm waiting for God, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And then the helicopter comes by and the guy says, no, no, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for God. And God says, wait, I sent you a, I sent you a helicopter and a boat. You know, when I looked at impracticality, what would happen in any given day and still today, you know, uh, my friend Anne Lamont calls it God with skin on. You know, there people would show up and it it doesn't even matter. You know, I know a lot of people have a hard time with God word and I respect what I don't have a, I don't think anybody, I don't have a, I mean, who am I to say what anybody should believe? This is just my experience.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: Um, but I just couldn't
0: deny. Oh, Lordy. No, it's okay. This, the phones were going off when I was interviewing. My phones were going off when I, when I, when I was in interviewing Tim's story. I was
1: like, oh, sorry, Tim. This is <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. I'm a I, mom. Exactly. Wait, life on life's terms. Here we are. Oh,
0: gosh. Insane. I know. But interestingly uh, enough, as you were talking about God, the phone actually started ringing and the exact same thing happened with him during his, his interview. We were oh talking my about God and the phone started ringing. I was like, okay, maybe that's God. I don't know. Uh,
1: who knows? To say? Who are we to say? Oh, it's so funny. Well, yeah. it's just so great. You know, it's so funny to write a book about life on life's terms, and it's like then then publish it during the lifeiest time that we could possibly have. You know, in my lifetime, anyways. So uh, I'm writing mine during this time. So oh yeah, my goodness! Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's that thing, you know, the alchemy of turning this experience into something gold. I mean, yeah, right? there's so? something beautiful about it.
0: And I think I want to keep going with, with, your, um, with what you were saying, but I yeah. also just want to like divert for one second and just say that I do believe that in life's challenges, it teaches us how to appreciate and live in gratitude during other life challenges. So for me being during COVID, um, during this time, this pandemic, my past challenges have really helped. Mm-hmm. learning how to really maneuver and go through this challenge of finding the the moments, right? Like the gratitude in the moments and being here now and not worrying about the what could or the should or the how or the why or the other things. It's literally about like, okay, let's go down and enjoy. For us, it was um, the bioluminescence at the beach. It was beautiful. It was just like, let's go down and enjoy the bioluminescence. Let's just be here present with our family in this moment. So I think that that's the one thing that, that when you've lived through these traumatic times in your life, it teaches you that, which is amazing. What a gift. That for me has been one of the biggest gifts.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I say that I, you know, I heard one day at a time, it's a very common phrase, right? And I always was like, (laughs) huh. Isn't that sweet, (laughs) you know, can you not plan well, you know, I know what I'm doing next year, you know, or, um, you know, although I, I, anyways, but, um, but what these times have taught me, it's like me future tripping that the future, it's not real. I mean, people point that out to me all the time. That's not real. What's real. It's me and you in front of the screen right now, like looking at each other eye to eye, having a conversation. That's real. My son's downstairs doing his drawing. That's real. That's what's true right now. And that's what gives me skill going through these things because my mind, I like to say, you know, I like to buy insurance and troubleshoot. You know, I'm really good at those things. (laughs) And I had a career in event production and public relations and crisis management at one point, and I was good at that. Uh But there's this point of... um, you know that skill was useful when mason was diagnosed because i had to do research i had to interview doctors i had to do all of those things yet once i started in on the google at you know after bed after everybody was asleep that's where it devolved into obsession and it's true now too in covid you know I found myself um, at 11 o'clock at night, just, oh, I think I'll just check the local hospital statistics.
0: Mm-hmm. Not
1: wise. That's, that's obsession, right? That's not like I'm getting good information and I'm going to take care of myself and my family. That's like, I'm starting to spin. Mm-hmm. And, and as you say, back to what's, the, what's true in this moment and all the great spiritual teachers like Ram Dass What's the point? Be here now. You know, that this is the moment.
0: Every time I hear that name and every time that, yes, I just get chills. Yeah. Be here now. Yeah. It's so important. Wow. So, going back to what it was like for you to have a 10 year old son, I, and for all of those people that are listening to this, because coincidentally, yesterday, um, my former coach lost a family member to cancer, a close dear friend, her. Um, father was just diagnosed with cancer. Another dear friend had to put their pet down, their dog down cancer. It's it, my best friend has battled it. I, I know it's everywhere, right? Like it affects so many people. What was it? And and actually, I, I, when, as I was listening to you, I had a, a um, former student when I was teaching, a little 10 year old boy who ended mm-hmm. up passing from cancer. Mm-hmm. And so what was it like for you to be getting that information as a mom to want to protect? And then also just going through those first few weeks and those months and that first year. And how was it for you as a mother, as a caretaker, as a love, you know, lover of your child?
1: I think it was one of the hardest things on every level that I've ever gone through, like physically, emotionally, spiritually. I think numb is like a, I think I was, I went from, I was sad to, I mean, sad, I I just cried all the time. And I'm not like a crier. You know, that was, I'm I'm somebody who can be a little stoic and, but I just was leaking at all times for a period of time. And then, and I couldn't control that, which was scary to my other kids too, which um, that was a whole other thing is how do I, how do we hold this family together? And how do we support these other children who are also scared and facing their own um, feelings around everything that 's happening, so it was uh, absolutely you know i didn 't sleep I lost I, I, what happens for me when I get upset i i can 't eat you know food tastes like dust, so i you know I luckily had people to carry me through you know I was also able to st- access a source of strength i didn 't know I had because i here i was i wasn 't sleeping i wasn 't eating, I was <laughs> randomly crying. And yet I could call and interview neuro I could, you know, I, I could create questionnaires. I could, you know, do the work I needed to do. And I, I think that's also why one of the things I, why I wanted to share my story my, to see how my experience could benefit other people, right? And, um, and one of the things is that I didn't, I'm not like some superhuman person, right? Mm-hmm. I am a regular mom and I was as devastated as anybody could be. I was thinking of a friend of mine who um, has since passed, but she had, she had a really awful cancer. And people would say to her, I don't know how you do it. And she would, la- and she would relate that story to me. And she'd say, well, what, else? what choice do I have? You know. But there's something about walking through that I was able to walk through this. And I'm not some superhuman person. And I was able to access the source of strength I didn't know I had. And whether someone has spiritual beliefs or not, whether you believe it's good or God or whatever that is, there's something about the human spirit that I, th- I mean, I love stories like that. You know, it's, it, that gives me hope. Yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned you're an ordinary woman in extraordinary
1: circumstances.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, that stopped me when I was on my run too. And I had to write that down because I hear you. And it's interesting. I had somebody say to me, um, "You're not ordinary. Mm-hmm. There's nothing ordinary about you." <laughs> so I, like, no, I really am. I'm just a normal human being. And they're like, "Oh no, sister, you're not." And um, and I that's a battle that I have. That I that I I don't. I mean, yes, I, I get it. I have a little bit of a superhuman strength within me that I've had to learn to tap into. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think of it as like a, a spirit that that runs through me. And um, thankfully, I've learned to access that. I also know that I am human and that, right? Like we're all just simply human beings. We're an ordinary human being Mm -hmm. and we all have it. I believe that we all Mm -hmm. have it within us. Mm -hmm. It's about accessing it and finding and tapping into it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I feel a lot that I my I have that same visual, um, like it's a channel. It's just, channel. and when I, before I get on a call like this, I often like, you know, say the St. Francis prayer, you know, make me a channel of your peace, make me a channel of your love. So yeah, I think we're all very unique, bright, shining lights of an expression of humanness on this planet. And yet it's really important for me to remember, you know, I don't know. It's really, it helps me to envision myself as one of many, like, you know, and I think that's, I I write about it in the book. It's like this idea of um, being in the center of the herd, that there's safety there. If I'm just another human being, I'm safe. I'm one one of you. I'm not on those outskirts that are vulnerable to the, you know, the mountain lions.
0: Yeah. Have you, did you, how alone did you feel in the beginning part of this journey? How was it for you to have to, um, share this news with people and then have to access support and love from others?
1: It it was not easy. It was not easy. The, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that I, I have, um, my core family. My mom and I. My mom is great. I have a, I have a great mom. Thank God. I feel like that mm-hmm. covers. You know that can get you very far if you have a great mom in this world. And um, even at that time, I think we were having we, had, we were having some disagreements about a few things, which were completely forgotten the minute I called her with the news. So that was, but it was very difficult for me to have the gravity of the experience that we were walking through reflected back in other people's faces that was hard to see right. right right and there were some friends i i this is that was the moment where my circle of friends sort of adjusted there were some friends who were more comfortable than others to sit in that kind of uncertain place and to not try to fill it with like it's you know desperate it's going to be okayness Right, you know, um, and yeah, and so, so luckily, I had some people in my life who could do that for me, and then I also had to make some choices. There were some acquaintances who had perhaps similar, some similar experience, but their energy I just couldn't, it just wasn't a match for mine at the time, and I had to make the decision. Of what would work for me and what wouldn't. And it, you know, no fault of theirs. It just, I could, I was overwhelming for me. I had to keep my circle a little small at first.
0: And I think that's really important for listeners that are going through this type of stuff.
1: Anything, <sighs>
0: any kind of trauma. Choose wisely who your support system is and don't be afraid to put yourself first.
1: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't owe anybody else anything. There's this there and everybody who has been through a difficult situation probably has had this experience where you find yourself consoling the person who came to console you. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we're all human. We all kind of make that mistakes. I've probably done that to someone else in my lifetime. Hopefully I won't do that going forward. But it's okay to just gently um, not pick up the phone or gently extricate yourself from a conversation that's not serving you. I have learned to say, um, like, you know, in, in circles, like maybe it's a church circle or something, a spiritual group I'm involved in, where people ask questions that are a little bit over the line for a long time. In the book, I detail how I would, like, pull out, I practically pull out the medical records and answer really, like, you know, and it really afterwards, like, feel terrible and realize that wasn't anybody's business Mm -hmm. and I don't have to do that. So now I just say things like, you know what? It doesn't serve me to go into that kind of detail at this moment. Thank you for your, thank you for your concern. I really appreciate that. Mason's fine. You know, I'll just put a, put a period on that sentence. I love that. Put a period on (laughs)
0: it. Put a period and walk away. Uh, It's also really important though, to also just to express that it's okay for you to ask for what you need. It's yeah. okay for you to say, "Here's what I need right now, and here's what I don't need right now." Yeah, I know. We yeah. were talking, and in, in, you were talking about in one of your um, episodes, one of your interviews about the thing that people say all the time is, um, <laughs> "You know what I'm going to say here, right?" I do. I do <laughs> say it. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason, right? And, um, and it's, it's one of those things that and it, it was interesting about this is that I was just having a conversation about that exact same phrase yesterday with a friend of mine who had to put their pet down. Right. And um, I want your thoughts on this. What, what about this phrase?
1: Tell me your thoughts on this phrase. Well, it might be true. It might be true. Um, however, it's not terribly helpful to hear when you have a sick kid. No, it's not. It's not. Helpful. It's never helpful. It's like, helpful. it's just not helpful. So here's the thing. I am able to learn profound lessons in my life from these difficult things that happen. I've learned amazing. I've, I've grown spiritually. I have become, I'd say, a softer but stronger person than I ever was. I'm more myself than I ever was before. Okay.
0: Can I just put a halt on that one? That is the most beautiful statement ever. Oh, I, I, I'm a stronger and softer person because of this. Yeah. That so resonates with me because for so many people, their guard goes up and they become this strong, um, I don't know, almost like mm, difficult to get into, right? It's difficult to get into their space because, and it's all about a protection. I get it. Like everybody just wants protection and safety. And there's also the softness that can come from the most difficult times of your life. I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning to access that. Yeah. That's oh. been the most difficult because for me, it was like, I just wanted walls up and nobody come in and I'm going to protect my family and I'm going to do all the things. And having mm-hmm. to trust and allow my soft side to come back out after all this time has been a really actual, beautiful, fun process to work with.
1: Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's so it's so counterintuitive because I'm the same way. I actually had someone say to me, sometime you have this shield up yeah. over your heart yeah, and you think it keeps you safe, but it just keeps all the hurt in. And I never yeah. forgot that. So, so profound because that was exactly what was happening. And there's this, uh, and what I found when, you know, my friend Joan said, the only way to have, you just have to give up control in this life because life will have you anyways. Mm. And um, and that's so true because my girding myself against what is was all about being safe, but life had me anyways. And you know what? I came, I'm, I'm still here. Now, had I, you know, had I died? I mean, I don't know. I tend to, I, I can just share the experience I have because we can take that to what well, what if I had died from, you know, because I talk about my own cancer in the book as well. Um, I can just share the experience I had and I'm still here, but I'm, I'm more, I'm, nothing was able to um, diminish me. Right. And I think I was always afraid that I had to protect myself in the world against being diminished. And right. I, you know, and, and I'm, it turns out I'm not diminishable. Who How knew? You, who knew? <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that phrase, that phrase, I, I struggle with it. That's why I'm bringing this up because I know it's used so many times by people. And I don't, I, yes, I believe that there is a reason for things happening in our life. Yes. I believe that there are lessons that we can learn from everything. Um, we are not a product of our experiences. We, we learn from everything and then move through them and become, grow from them. Like we become better humans because of it. I sometimes think that sometimes people use that term as a spiritual bypass for just like, well, it happened for a reason, moving on, right? And Mm -hmm. so, and then you're missing this incredible opportunity to learn and to deep dive and to grow from it. And for me, there were many times where I would sit back and go, what the hell? Why is this happening? Why is this? I didn't, why is this being handed to me? Yeah. Like I just wanted to Scream for all of the crap that kept getting handed to me. Mm-hmm. And in the same token, now I can look back and say, Oh, I get it. Now I can look back and say, I understand why all of this was happening mm-hmm. for me, not to me.
1: Well, and that's, yeah, it is a beautiful thing. And that's, that's how, we, and, and holding it in a place where we grow from it, right, is that I think that's the key right I, I mean i think that is the key i think that there's also this idea that i grew up with that god was doing things to me that there was this puppet master oh that i needed god. to please right you know if i was a good girl then good things would happen and i and i'm, I'm i like to think i'm a smart person you know, and I think I, going through this experience, I had to let go of a lot of childlike ideas about God that still lived inside of me. Mm. And for me to have a really strong, deep faith in a, in a God, I couldn't believe that that God was would would cause suffering in a child, my child or anybody else's. Now there's suffering in the world. This is that why that I put on the shelf. I'm I'm not going to understand. I I come to a lot of peace by. Th- acknowledging that with my human mind with my finite mind I'm not going to understand the infinite universe you know so I put a lot of why's on the shelf but I can tell you how I get through it is with this love of other people mm-hmm. and some people say God is love and it has there's always been a love big enough um, you know there's there's a there's a book with a title something like that. There's always been a love big enough for all of these circumstances. Everything, even the even growing up in alcoholism, there was always you know there was always somebody God with skin on to help me out. Yeah,
0: yeah. I always say that forgiveness saved me because it always brought me back to love. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Hence me writing a book about it because without that, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know where I would be, which is that's scary. <laughs> that scary yeah. right there. Like, yeah. where would I be? I don't, I don't even, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So tell us about your own experience with cancer.
1: Well, I was diagnosed with, it's called stage zero cancer. And, you know, part of what I struggle with in the book too, is I'm always trying to kind of frame things like, but it wasn't that bad. You know? hmm. And I ended up, um, I ended up having surgery. I didn't end up having, needing to have chemotherapy or any other treatment. So that was a, that was a very fortunate thing. But, I, I, you know, the scariest thing was that I th- was the possibility of being taken away from my children. Yeah. You know, I, I, and that also, I thought, hmm, this is a curious thing about me and my life is my most, you know, and I still kind of feel that way. Somebody asked me about my mortality. I'm like, well, now that my kids are grown, yeah, I'm Okay. <laughs> I I'm I like I like it here. I feel like I have purpose. I'm enjoying my life, but I'm not I don't have that grip that I did when my children were little that I was so terrified of leaving them. Um so yeah, so it that was a really I think I'm still that experience is still kind of percolating in me. First of all, how vulnerable I am even though you know, again, I try to go without food. I try to go without rest. I, eventually, part of my story is that I, had, I was waiting to have circumstances get better before I would, and the crisis outweighed me. You know, it was like a game of chicken, and finally I had to say, okay, I'll start taking care of myself. You know, okay, I will start going for walks, asking for help, and eat, you know, and I eat pretty well, but... I, yeah. You know, taking it up a notch and caring for myself. And I think that's the cancer piece, too, is that to be so vulnerable to something, and it's like this COVID thing, too, which is why it's so, you know, this thing we can't see, but it's out there and we can't control it. And how do we as humans navigate safety in this way and not lose our minds? It seems to be the challenge. When
0: was your cancer diagnosis post your son's or?
1: Yes. It was post, it was, my son was diagnosed and um, he, you know, we, we, he had had a brain hemorrhage. So we were well into dealing with his brain tumor when I got my diagnosis. And when was yours? How many years? Um, It was, let's see, it was six years ago. Wow.
0: Wow. Six
1: years ago. Yeah. So um I yeah I I don't even really think about it that much and you know when I when it happened to me my friend Anne Lamont said well boy this is this is really you know you're going to really need to write about this in your book I'm like oh gosh yeah I guess I guess this is a profound experience but again I sometimes I get my first reaction to things is to go numb and to kind of pull back and minimize how the how I mortal I am from. yeah I don't know right? I don't know where that comes from I do that same thing um,
0: I wrote something in my book and I had to send it out to people because I, I, you know, had names and, and I was talking about this one experience and the girl <laughs> sent it back to me and she goes, um, actually you're the one that did this. Would you please take, take ownership of your, of your voice in this one sentence? And I was like, oh yeah, okay. I guess I didn't, <sighs> because I, I don't know if that's also the mother side where we are givers, uh, And I'm learning to receive. Um, It's like Mm -hmm. that being and doing, right, that we always talk about. We're we're doers. We're protectors. Allow ourselves to just be and receive. And it's a real, like, it's a struggle. I don't know if you feel this way because, again, family of alcoholics, Mm -hmm. there's a whole thing that comes from that. Um, And then also just having three children that you want to protect all the time because they're kids. And I've been a mom for 28 years. You've been a mom for how many years? Uh, almost 26. There you go. And so it's like ingrained in me. (laughs) I'm having to relearn uh, because I've been a mom since 17. I'm having to relearn in my forties how to freaking receive.
1: Well, I've been thinking about this lately. Yes, (laughs) it is so weird. And it's so weird. It's so funny how I have such a hard time talking about this because I don't want to, I see I've, I have friends who have suffered, you know, from really, you know, horrible chemo, really difficult treatments and whatnot. I didn't have to do any of that, but there is this thing about being a care receiver, as you said, and being a caregiver. You know, I've, I've tried. I realized when I was writing the book, um, I'm really. I like to be precise with words. I'm kind of a nerd that way. <laughs> um, the, the difference between what's the difference between a caretaker and a caregiver? It's like, well, I think I want to be a caregiver because yes. I'm, you know, give that unconditional love, give freely, right? right? I don't expect to, anything in the, in, to come back to me. But what's interesting for me, too, is that in my own life, every monumental change that has benefit me, benefited me has come from asking for help, for saying, You know what? I'm at the limits of my human abilities, and that's getting sober myself. You know, when I was 24, you know what? I can't do this. Apparently, I'm you know, I apparently my relationship to alcohol is not healthy. What do I do? And then with the breast cancer as well, it's like, oh my goodness, you mean I'm human too? Oh, yes, I you mean I have to be a priority? Oh. And then it's and also letting go of this really old idea that it's selfish to take care of ourselves. Oh,
0: I just did a post on this in my in oh
1: yeah yeah we
0: it's actually selfless to take care of ourselves because in taking care of ourselves we can better take care of others. Can everybody please hear that? Like, can we can we tattoo that on ourselves? Exactly. <laughs> we are in. It's ingrained in us that mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves is selfish. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's one of the most selfless things that we can do. Selfless acts of love and self-love is to take care of ourselves, so we can also take care of others.
1: Yeah. It's such a good example for our children, right? This Mm is to to teach our daughters, especially, um, and sons. But, you know, I think there's that female, um, challenge that I certainly was raised with, you know, that, that giving beyond in the martyrdom, which the women in my family, (laughs) the old Polish women going back to the old country, that's kind of how we rolled. Um, So there's that, yeah, so I think it's a great example. And it's also, I think it's selfish to not take care of myself because ultimately I'm going to crash and guess what? Then then I'm the patient, you know? And and every we do get to get take our turns in the family, you know, and I, I don't want to, there's this victim blaming thing too that can come with cancer. And it's like, well, did I get cancer because of the stress? Did I get it because I didn't do X, Y, or Z? You know what? I just, this is, it was just, it's a, you know, who knows? There may be, there's no reason, but what can I learn from it? And what I can learn from it is that I really have to take care of me, that yes. that's kind of the point. And um Yeah. And good things can come of that.
0: I've had to be very honest and open with my kids about the fact that I'm forever going to be on this road of recovery. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. Um, And I own that just like forgiveness is like for me, it's almost like a 12 step program of having to work on it every day. I work on myself every day, my trauma recovery every day. And I do not apologize for that. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a necessity because I want to be the best version for them as their mom, um, and future partner for whoever is in my life. And so it's this whole, it's a new way of thinking, I guess, is my point, you know, having grown up at a time also in the Midwest where you don't, you just sweep everything under the rug. You don't talk about stuff. You, you know, you put, I'm German, so Mm -hmm. Catholic bars up, you just protect and that's Mm -hmm. the way it is. It's a real interesting, um, lovely way of living this way it's so it's such an easier way of living
1: for me for me yeah, absolutely absolutely well it's funny because with this book launch my old way when something big would happen in my life is i'd push 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 and then crash right i mm-hmm. when i was in college i'd get sick after finals and Whatever it was, I would go high stress and then crash. And I had the thought, like the day after the big, the big event, <laughs> which the most stressful thing was that the Zoom was going to work. <laughs> so after that, the conversation was great because I hadn't obsessed about it because I was obsessed about Zoom. But um, but I had this same thought, and the thought was like, what if I just rest? Mm-hmm. What if I just rest? So I've been resting, you know, periodically to just kind of pace myself, and then it's actually working quite well. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm really thrilled that you have had the opportunity
0: to share all of your story. Um, you know, your son's, how is your son
1: doing today? He is actually, it's not easy. He's had a, um, recurrence in his tumor and he's in treatment right now. So we're back to the, you know. frequent monthly trips to the, to the oncologist and drug treatment and whatnot. But he's, you know, he's a lovely guy. He's, (laughs) he's a sweetheart, you know. Um, And we're just trying to, one of the skills I learned um, going through all this that has been the, the most value is just back, getting back to where my feet are. And if I'm where my feet are right this minute, you know, he's downstairs and he's probably doing some artwork. Is he a big artist? And he, he's a big artist. He's a really talented artist. And that's really cool. And just for this moment, and I'm here with you, it's really pretty good just right now. And, you know, if I believe the really wise people, that's all we've got anyways.
0: It's very true. Um, I, I'm i sorry to hear that. Yeah, and thank you. You are an incredible mom. And um, I can imagine just what how beautiful your family home is with all of the love that you bring. I. I you know, I can feel it. I can feel it mm-hmm. through this. Um, so I have another question for you. Um, There's so many, like I could can, I can keep going on and on. There's so many questions I have for you. Um, one of the things that I wanted to just also express is thank you for sharing your experience before I ask this question. Thank you for your, sharing your experience of your breast cancer. Because I think for so many of us, um, we tend to minimize some of the experiences in our life because we've also had other experiences that have taken precedent. And it's, it's interesting how I have had to learn to not do that. Because if I flip the script, I expect others to do the same.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, Um, so thank you for sharing about that. That's a really big thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm again, I'm hope it's that when I share about it, other people are able to relate, which is so helpful. It makes me feel not alone. And that's all I have my whole life. That's what I've wanted is to not feel alone. You know? Oh
0: my gosh. How alone did you feel when you first found out?
1: Well, it was funny because I, um, I was surrounded by my family. You know, my mom was actually here when I got the, when I got the call. So I was, I didn't, so alone wasn't necessarily what I, well, I guess what happened in that moment was I felt like I had to take care of everyone else, huh. you know? So it, it, there was, a, there was some time before it, it kind of filtered into my heart and the news and what, what the possibilities were. Um, and that's a lonely place. You know, we do, it's like they say birth and death. We, we come in and go out alone. Um, and, and that was, that was a bit of a scary place to be. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's so important for people to realize that even if they feel alone right now, there are other people walking the same journey as you, Yeah, way differently, you know, that may be a little different. And there are people walking the same journey as you. I thought I was the only person in the world that that had happened to six years ago. You know, finding out about my husband, I was like, I, no one else in the world could possibly be going through what I'm going through. Little did I know there were thousands of people going through it differently, yet the same. Right. And yeah. so there's always there's a little, always a crossover in some way. Um, and for me, I struggle when people argue with me on that. No, no one understands. No one understands. Nobody's in your shoes. I get it. And there are people who have walked, perhaps not in your shoes, but something very similar.
1: Exactly. And it's that it's this club that we belong to that now a lot more people belong to in these COVID times where this illusion of certainty, this illusion of safety, um, we don't have it. Yeah. And some of us, it's a little, we've had to learn to navigate that. It's been a little more obvious in our lives than for others. Yeah.
0: So what would you, what would you tell somebody when you, I know I've been here, where you're telling somebody something that's happening in your life and it's devastating and how would you like them to respond? How, do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. How, because so many people don't know how to respond. They don't yeah. they need to actually open that conversation so that we can help them to understand what it's like to be here and how to simply respond when we are sharing.
1: Well, one thing I think is really important is just to start, to start to answer your question is that if, I'm, if somebody's telling me something and I'm feeling uncomfortable, it's important within myself to acknowledge that discomfort, mm-hmm. to go, oh boy, I'm uncomfortable. What is it going on in me? And this has happened to me where I'm like, oh, gosh, I feel like I need to fix this for this person. Well, that's not true. I don't have to fix any. So once I get, that's important to get out of the way because i right. like, oh, I don't know what to say. Well, you know what? There's really, there's someone, say, I, I tell a story about this in my book where I, I people were saying very strange things to me when, oh, my Excuse me. <laughs> My, uh, where some people were saying very strange things to me um, when Mason was diagnosed, and um, you know because it was so uncomfortable. And what do you say? And I re- bumped into a friend who had lost a child to a tragic accident, and I asked, said, I just wanted what, and I bumbled around because I didn't want to say the wrong thing to her. But what, what, what do you do when people say weird things to you? And she said, I realized. That there's no right thing to say. Yeah. You know, so like even right here, I'm listening to you tell me bits of your story and I'm, I, I'm listening really deeply and I'm taking it in. Yeah. And I don't need to have answers for you. I mean, I might say, you know what? I know what that's like. You know, I've had some experience. The people who've helped me the most have, have said to me, I actually had one mom at my kid's school who approached me in such a beautiful way, she said, you know what? I have some experience. My brother had a brain tumor as a child and I'm happy to share it with you if you ever want me to share that. Mm. And that was a really nice way rather than, well, you know, I heard of this person who had that cancer and you know, you get the horror stories. It's like when you're pregnant and people feel compelled to come up and tell you about the bad things, that happen, oh. you know, and it's, people are uncomfortable. I get that. But um, you I say also one of the big things is to be, you know, my most dear, the most dear people in my life, the people who have helped me the most have just been willing to sit with me in the pain and uncertainty mm. and acknowledge, you know what? Yes, that's really hard. That's really hard. And I, I have my dear friend, Joan, again, who um, one time I called her from a hospital in Houston and I was Mason had had yet another setback. It was like the third brain surgery in as many months. And I was exhausted. And it was right before I realized that I had to start taking care of myself and sleeping in a bed rather than at his bedside every night. Um, And I said to Joan, "You know, I don't know what I said to her, but how she responded to me is she said, you don't think you can do it, right? And that was it. I was like, yes, I can't do this. I can't do another minute of this. I'm too tired. I don't have it in me. And she paused and she said, but you're doing it. Mm. And that was one of the most profound lessons. And in that moment, it was just that reflecting back to me. And if I can be that reflection back to someone else, like, that is really hard. What you're walking through is really hard. I get it. And you're doing it. Yeah you know, that's how we get, we walk each other through these things. A thousand percent. Yep. Absolutely. You are
0: doing it. You. Yeah. Are. And so are you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one last question for you. Um, and I hope that this is lands correctly. Uh, I recently had somebody ask me if I fear death. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't. I don't. I, um, I live my life in a very careful way. And I'm also about living. Like We're here to live every moment. I have these conversations with my kids, um, especially we lost a, our own dog on Christmas day and it was devastating. Um, and now we're, we're going, we've been going through it actually with many different kinds of things since then. And I thought that was a really interesting question that somebody asked when they asked me that. Do you fear death? And, immediately I was like, no, I mean, I, cause I'm living, right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I want, I want to hear this from you. I want, I would like to hear your answer, um, surrounding that.
1: You know, um, I, I don't, I, I, Don't I? I did for my most of my life, and when my kids were little, I was very afraid and very. I think I limited my activities because I was, what if something happens to me? That would be my default. They'll be really sad that I die in a plane crash on the way to this weekend away, you know. Um, But now that everybody's grown and safe-ish, as safe as they can be, um, I I don't. And I also had the privilege, you know. My friend Joan died a few years ago. Mm. And she welcomed me to her deathbed. You know, I was with her, and what I got to see was that it was the process was a lot like childbirth. Mm. You know, and my job was to hold her hand and to reassure her and get her water, and tell her she was doing a really good job. She was really, and she was ready to go. It was she was she was um, in her mid eighties and her body was very worn out and she'd been ready for a little while. And it was, a, it was not a scary thing. And she paused in those moments. She said, you know what? I always, sometimes wondered if what this next thing was, if it was better than where we're at now. And she got this childlike smile and she said, I think it is. Hmm. And there was, so, there was something magical in that room. And, and that took she that was a, such a gift she this, she gave me so many gifts, and that's the other thing about being in relationship with people. It's so worth it. it's so worth it to invest in that um but it was the biggest gift because I thought, you know what yeah it's it's one's more transition, and i I don't believe that this is all we are. I don't believe I'm just um one uh somebody was calling it a carbon suit that I'm just this this suit of bones here i think right. I think there's more to it than that. Yeah. And that gives me a lot of, um, I don't know, it, it helps me when I, you know, see Mason struggling too, and we don't know what's going to happen next with him either. Right, right.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. Yeah. I was, I was, that was the question that I had when I was running this morning, listening to your other podcast. I was like, I wonder what her thought is on this? Because it, I think that there's so many of us in this world that are really afraid. We're afraid, we're afraid to die, and so therefore, we're afraid to live. And so, do you see what I'm saying? And so, I'm, oh, yeah. like, I'm like, wow, I've never, when I was younger, yes, I, had, I was definitely more afraid. Um, and now that I'm in my 40s, and having lived through so much, I feel like there's this ultimate freedom in living, and so therefore, I don't really fear death. And so, and am I careful? Yeah, I'm careful all the time. I mean, I'm on a trail for 22 days in August, September. And am I going to be careful? Absolutely. I also know that um, being here right now in the presence of my children is really important. And we have these conversations so that they can ultimately go live their life and not live in fear either. Mm-hmm. So that's that whole taking care of yourself too. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a real pondering question, I guess. So
1: yeah, what I, and I, I have with you. So thank you. <laughs> well, I think I've had that same experience. That I've been afraid. My fear of death has also been a fear of living. You know. Yeah. I think I've held my, I held myself back for quite a lot while, being afraid to be big in this world, being afraid to just ah. you know, let go as they say and just be.
0: So that right there is where we're going to
1: end. Awesome.
0: That is. Um, that's beautiful what you just said is so beautiful. Don't be afraid to live, be, and, and just really live your life out loud. It's beautiful. Thank you. You You are a gift to this world. I would like you to do us all a favor and go hug your, your kids, all of them. Um, they've, they've obviously been, and your husband, um, Mm. right. Just like you guys are incredible and, and uh, I'd love to see a piece of your son's artwork. You know, I used to be an art teacher.
1: Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, well, be, if you, wanna, if you want, I can take you down, he, downstairs and I can show you. And, you know, that's one of my paintings on the cover of the book. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's your paintings? I didn't it's, know that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because the publisher had sent some different possibilities. And um, one of them had this big red feature. And, I, you know, I thought, oh, bold. It'll stand out on shelves. My father looked at it and he was like recoiled and got sick, like had to put his head between his knees because he thought of blood. I'm like, oh boy. Um, And then I finally, after it was like, it just wasn't working. They were trying to do these graphic uh, kind of representations of the story. So I sent them pictures of my paintings I was making at the time. Oh my God. And I said, this is what the story felt like. And they said, okay. And now, my husband all along had said you should. They should use one of your paintings as the cover. And I kept saying, "Oh, I'm not a real artist." <laughs> oh, so. you are such an artist.
0: You're an artist in life. You're an artist. Are you? That's interesting because I had never written. You've been a writer this whole oh, time, right? Yeah, you yeah, wrote a book. And I was an artist in the visual sense, an artist in nature, an artist with yeah. my life creatively. And then when I told my kids, "I'm going to write a book," and they were like, "Really?" when did you start writing? I've been a writer my whole freaking life, just not in words. And now it's in words. Yeah, so no, I you're at, not on paper, right? Yeah. For. So I look at the creative sense for you. It's like, of course, you've always been an artist. You've always exactly. been an artist. Right. Um, so where can everybody find you? And uh, let's, and I definitely want to see. A piece
1: of okay. Yeah. I'll show you some of the artwork. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you can uh, find me at theoppositeofcertainty.com. Yep. And, and, um, I'm on, uh, Instagram, Janine, you read R E I D also Facebook, Janine Urbanic Read. Perfect. Um, and yeah. we will put all of your, all of your everything.
0: Into Thank you. And, um, yes, definitely everyone get this book and, um, go purchase. It's on audio as
1: well. Correct. It is on audio as well. It's not me reading it. So I, I started to listen to the audio and I had to stop because it's very strange to hear your words in your voice from someone else's mouth. But she's lovely. The reader is lovely. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah. And so um, definitely, you know, go get the book and listen and share and let's all be, um, create change in the world together. We are all on this journey at the same time, which is pretty incredible. So thank you for awesome. being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahscheltoncrans.com to grab my free 7 Steps to a Joy-Filled Life. I share these 7 steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends, let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties.